You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. I bet you didn't know we had a merch store. That's right. We actually have merch. If you head on over to the description, the notes of this episode, there will be a link there to the merch store, and you can head on over to the Mediocre Horseman store. From there, we have socks, we have hoodies, we have tanks, we have tees, and there's new designs coming out all the time. And the special this month is the Feral Appalachia shirt. 100% of the proceeds of that shirt are going to help feral horses in Appalachia. And 50% of everything else that's sold in the store are, is also going to go help feral horses in Appalachia through Feral Aaron as part of the Appalachia Legacy Initiative. So click the link in the description, head on over there, get something, help out some amazing horses, some amazing people, and uh, help me feed my horses, for crying out loud. One of my most beloved sponsors has got to be Audible. I had an Audible account long before I thought about ever getting into podcasting. And Audible has an awesome gift for all of my listeners. And if you head over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan, you're going to get a free audiobook on them and me. All you have to do is sign up for a free trial, and if you decide that Audible's not for you, and within 30 days, you can cancel. No harm, no foul, you spend no money, and you get to keep that free audiobook. Audible has hundreds of thousands of books in their catalog, read by world-renowned narrators. From New York Times bestsellers to the classics, they're all on Audible. So again, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan and pick up your free audiobook today. The term boots on the ground usually denotes that action is being taken, that something is being done. Unless we're talking about Aaron O'Neill and the Appalachian Legacy Initiative. And quite literally, when we say boots on the ground, we mean her boots. As she is on the ground every day up in the mountains of Appalachia, working with horses that the world has basically forgotten. From mineral supplementation to medical care to rounding up bachelor stallions, it is Erin, her pickup truck, and her dogs doing 99% of the work. So when she accepted a partnership with this show, I was more than elated. And she's not paying me. I just want to help. This is how ingrained this subject is to me. As an ethnic Appalachian and a lover of horses, how could I not want to play some role in what's transpiring in Kentucky and West Virginia? So if you want to be part of the amazing work that Aaron's doing, there's going to be a link to the Appalachian Legacy Initiative in the show notes of this episode. And I invite everyone to go click it. Even if you don't donate... Just read a little bit of the work that she's doing, and you're going to gain a whole new appreciation for what it means to be a horseman. I want to take this opportunity to talk about our latest partner here on Behind the Horse's Eyes, and that is Herd of Zebras. You can find them over at www.herd-of-zebras.com. And Herd of Zebras is more than just an equestrian lifestyle brand. It's a global community of just badass people who inspire others with their perseverance, grit, compassion, and authenticity. And what other people might call scars, whether it be physical or emotional, they call stripes. It's the experiences and the hardships that cause us to become stronger, kinder, and braver. Unlock all of that over at Herd of Zebras. 
I wear their shirts constantly. I was lucky enough for them to send me some swag. Um, I've done some promotional stuff for them. I'm going to tell you, I am sold. The quality of their products is is, is amazing. They're, all their products are printed here in the U.S. You're not going to find better people and people with a better message than Herda Zebras. If you use the discount code JRyan at checkout over at Herda Zebras, you're going to get 10% off of your order. All the info for that is going to be in the description of this episode. That's www.herd-of-zebras.com. Promo code JRyan for 10% off today. That's the, exactly the way. Oh, yeah. No, seriously. If you go to Facebook Marketplace or even in a Facebook group, Craigslist, anything like that, um, chances are there's a, there's a 50% chance that you're going to get the product that you're going to get after. Now, within that percentage, they've probably lied to you. That's a 20% chance they've completely lied about whatever product you're going to go get, right? They're, they're not going to be willing right. to test it or anything for you. Uh, the other 50% though is you might get murdered. Yeah, right, right. I drove over to Paris to pick up a base for my guy. Drove through a sketchy, sketchy part of town, which if you ever go to downtown Paris, you'll see that's a big part of that town. Listen, Paris, Paris, Kentucky is very cosmopolitan. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so I drove through it. And then all of a sudden, it just opened to this just gigantic, beautiful house. I mean, yeah, the house next door, roof's falling in, windows are boarded up, everything else. But here's this, I mean, it, compared to everything else, it was a mansion. And uh, he's like, yeah, just come on here into the house. So the guy built, he, he bought old beat up Fender basses and guitars and stuff like that, and then rebuilt them and sold them on on craigslist and uh had his shop showed me everything it was it was cool i, I don't regret going over there one bit I actually still talk to the guy from that's what we we call that a diamond in the rough sir right <laughs> the uh it's, it's like a it's like a, a diamond shining in a goat's ass like my dad would say <laughs> the uh so that's the voice of mr jade reigns no that is not a moniker for anything that's not an online handle that's this man's name. When you get a name, when you get a name like Reigns, you got to be good with horses. Um, and uh, Jade's pretty handy with them marsh tackies, which we're not going to get too much into on this episode, as far as the history of the marsh tacky and um, the future of the marsh tacky. But we're going to talk about Jade's marsh tackies. And uh, I didn't tell him beforehand, but I'm going to put him on the spot because most of my listeners know that I've been in some pretty crappy bands through the years, but uh, you've been in some not-so-crappy bands through the years. We'll save that for the end, so everybody will stay and listen. We can do Ch- that. Chance- chances are the majority of my listeners has listened to one of the artists that you've played with. <laughs> so, But Jade, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? About myself, how far back do you want me to go? 
I, I don't know, about 1979, somewhere around okay. there. Well, I wasn't even thought of at that point. Yeah, so. There you go. We'll, we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit. Um, no, you know, I'm a, I'm a Kentucky native. Lived here my whole life. Um, horses have always been a big part of our, you know, our family and, and you know, to an extent, our livelihood. Um, so I've always, always been, been into the, into horses and that sort of stuff. My grandpa always used to say, you know, I was always riding horses, hunting or fishing. So there's a whole lot of worse things I could be getting into. So I pretty much had no pun intended free reign to do what I wanted to when I wanted to. But that's, that's me in a nutshell. If, if you can, if it's right, if it's not riding horses, if you can pull a trigger on it or set a hook in it, that's most of my life. Were we separated at birth? There's a very good possibility. Because you and I, you and I had the, you know, we had conversed a little bit. Um, I think you were, you were a follower of mine for a little while. And then mm -hmm. we had, we had conversed a little bit through um, Facebook Messenger. Um, and then the, the amazing um, Miranda Rawson invited me out and I found out um, that it was all a ploy to get me intoxicated and then for me to <laughs> separate myself from my money. Um, no, I'm kidding. But um, Miranda invited me out to the Marstacky, Carolina Marstacky Association fundraiser and found out you were going to be there. Um, yep. and I consumed large amounts of alcohol and then ended up joining, uh, the Carolina Marsh Tacky Association. But, uh, it was, it, first of all, it was awesome meeting you. It was like meeting an old friend, you know, we it, said, it really uh, was, uh, we sat down and thought and I, I felt like we got closer because of it. And, uh, I made a, a really good friend, uh, that night. I made a lot of really good friends that night. Um, double oat bourbon helped. Uh, me make a lot of friends that night and then uh yeah and i found out that you know y'all y'all were y'all were just like me <laughs> there was no well, difference y'all were just like me man you know I, I had my daughter with me and uh when when the when the bourbon came out is when i ducked out because i was like if i don't leave now yeah i won't be leaving <laughs> i know yeah you you know you are the king of the irish goodbye i, I was trying to remember what that what what that was again i was like uh, what 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 kind of goodbye it was the irish goodbye it was yeah. the irish goodbye that's where you just slip out <laughs> nobody knows everybody goes where do you go you know yeah <laughs> i remember at one point i was standing next to a heater and i saw you walk by and then somebody was and and and, and i think it was mark mark goes you ought to try this wine and i'm like i don't want to put wine over everything i've got but bring the wine you know <laughs> and then the next thing i know i've got people offering me a bunkhouse and everything like you don't need to drive and i'm like it's fine i am not driving i've got this random stranger who i've never met before in my life about to drive me to waffle house so it's good <laughs> so yeah it, I, I looked at the clock it said like 9 45 and i'm like we've got like four hours that we were ooh. planning to drive yeah. so we were like uh we're, we're cutting out you had to spend uh if it makes you feel any better, I, I waved at everyone in your direction as I hopped in my truck to leave. So I was probably uh, telling a story without you know any meaning to it at that point. <laughs> my, my, the mouth was moving, but the brain was not attacked. <laughs> that that was actually my last my last sighting of you. You had your back to me, but there was a group in front of you. Yeah, both of your hands were waving in the air. Sounds like me. And, 
What what you don't know is I had two brain cells at that point, and they were both fighting for third place. <laughs> but it was an absolute amazing event. Um, one of the probably the the best um, the best time I've ever had around other horse folks, and I've been around some really good horse folks. I know the industry really gets uh, sometimes very well deserved uh, negative attention when it comes to just how people can be. Um, and other times, you know, you have instances like I had with you guys, and it, it completely honestly changed the way I look at a lot of associations groups because I never joined. Uh, I've got invites to join association and registry and groups out the yin yang. Mm-hmm. And I hardly ever do it because usually I'll meet the people and I'm like, no, 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 you are not my speed. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then when you can sit down and drink beer, and eat collard greens and talk about Marstacky horses in the great state of South Carolina. Uh, you know, ne- next to a That's propane good. heater with a with a live band going. Yeah, I mean, we had cornbread and collard greens. I mean, you yeah. are my you are my people. Um, but no, I you know we talked all that just to say how wonderful that organization is, and it's not like you are an anomaly. Um, everyone I met, and I you know I didn't realize until after the fact I had met two-thirds of the board that night um, and shared a drink and talked about horses with them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, holy cow, you know, this is what this organization organization is, Um, but a little less about that, more back on you, so growing up hunting, fishing, uh, I'm sure you killed your fair share of cans in the backyard like I did. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Um, and you, uh, what kind of horses did you have growing up? I grew up primarily with Rocky Mountains. Um, okay. You know, the, the neck of the woods that I come, come from is ground zero for for the Rocky Mountain um, breed. So, yeah, a lot of people had them. And, I'm, I'm glad you called them by their correct name. Right. There's a lot well, of politics involved in that, but they're all yeah. Rocky Mountain horses, folks. Well, you know, I was going to you you kind of started to hit on something there a second ago talking about the, the marsh tacky association um you know I, I i grew up around you know the rocky mountain horse world and the rocky mountain horse community um and we were pretty involved in tennessee walking horses as well and spotted saddle horses and later the what is it the kentucky mountain wow. pleasure horse saw you know it's a rocky um, mountain horse <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It, it, exactly. it is. It's a Rocky Mountain horse that has an agenda. It, it's not. None of those communities are the same as no. what I've experienced since I joined the Marsh Tacky Association. Um, great people in all of them, you know, for sure. But just different, a different kind of of environment. Um, yeah, it. You know, it's uh, I and I've run across that a lot with people. You know, not just. You know, it's unfair to compare and. You know, obviously, I did it a second ago because uh, we're all guilty of it. But it sometimes it's unfairly to uh, compare one organization to the to another. Um, they have different focuses, different goals. You that's know. right. Well, and then you have um, you have uh, different age groups. You know, like some people, some organization yeah. will have a board that's more rooted in people that are a generation or so behind us. And then we look at the organization we're both now members of, and I'm older than a lot of the people on that board. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that to me. I like that young blood, that new thinking that, you know, that that is helpful 
in a lot of cases, you know, when you can get someone who thinks a little differently looking at things right now and not how things used to be, you know what I mean? But on yeah. a on the other hand, sometimes it's helpful to have some of those old guys around because they've seen it and they've had exactly. to overcome things before. So, you know, it's a, it's a very 50-50 type thing. Um, but a lot of people, they want to compare that to individual horses. I've made content about it too. You know, it seems like they'll call one horse scrawny. Uh, and I look at it and I go, no, that's a normal light saddle horse. What you're used to is not. And I think I think we look at a lot of organizations that way too. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and it's very it's very unfair. Yeah. Now yeah. there are organizations out there, and I won't name any names, that are just blatantly toxic. I mean, it's just that's just how that is. And they always want to know, well, why are our numbers dwindling? Nobody's signing up or nobody sticks around. Well, that's why. Yeah. You 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 yeah. breed you yeah, you breed animosity um in 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 your breed. Yeah, that that's that's exactly right. Um you know, and, and it's just not something I mean, in any any organization as as good as it is, there's going to be somebody trying to, you know, stir the drama to some extent yeah. um you know but but by and large the, the marsh tacky association has been great very you know very willing to help me when i first got started um you know i kind of i learned about those horses you know it they, they're they are not only are they the the south carolina state horse they are you know a South Carolina based horse. Yeah. And when, uh, when I first started, I, I, I found out about the breed through spending time in the low country. You know, I think we made our first family vacation down there in 2017, I think it is. And, uh, when, uh, and it wasn't until about 2019 that I had even heard of that breed of horse and there's nothing and, and i know you'll agree there's nothing quite like the low country once it gets in you it gets in oh you. gosh you, yeah yeah people yeah. I, I can I, I cannot emphasize enough about the south carolina low country and that is and there would be some people to argue it to me the low country is charleston and south actually south of charleston when you get james island south you start getting in the low country james island north to me is not is not the same no and yeah. it is a it's a different breed of people. It's a different speed, and it is different sights, sounds, smells. Uh, it's another world, and it is a beautiful world. Um, and if it, I'm telling you right now, just go Google South Carolina Low Country and just go through Google Images, and you're gonna drool. It is one of the most, to me, one of the most beautiful places in the U.S. It's one of those kinds of places that when when you're there, you're you're telling yourself, oh, you know this. This is what everyday life needs to be like. And then yeah. back in your real world, you know, that's the that's the thing that you just instantly regret having to go back to. Oh yeah. I'm I'm going to I'll, I'm going to Charleston next weekend. You know, mm -hmm. granted, Charleston's kind of that borderline, you know, it's not quite, but it's just man, mm, it's just that part. This that part in South in South Carolina is just it's just different. Uh, a lot of people, when they think about the coast of South Carolina, they want to think about Myrtle Beach, you know? Yeah. If you're a South Carolinian, you don't go to Myrtle Beach. 
No, no, we, I, I will never go to Myrtle we, Beach again after yeah, we. Yeah, the only people that go to Myrtle Beach are folks in Ohio. From people, people from here in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, you know, people from Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, and they're like, "Oh, guys, we'll just let's just go to the beach, you guys," you know, and, and they'll go there and ride the Ferris wheel, and you know, and then go to you know, pay forty bucks to see a sewn together two headed, you know, something at Ripley's, believe it or not. And then, <laughs> You know, eat a corn dog and go home. The the two Kentucky tourist meccas are Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Listen, let me tell you something about Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg. <laughs> hey, we were there in October. So, so. I, I was there two years ago. Uh, went to, listen, listen, wasn't quite fancy enough for Gatlinburg. Went to Gatlinburg for today, but, you know, we, we're more Pigeon Forge money. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we were on the strip in Pigeon Forge, and I made a game just sitting on the balcony watching traffic, getting in and out of Gatlinburg. So I, I will say, as a history nerd, though, if, if you ever up in East Tennessee, stop in Pigeon Forge and go to that uh, that Titanic exhibit there. Um, it, it's worth it's worth worth every dime. Uh, to go to it is really well put together um, i'm a museum junkie so i am too have you ever been to patriots point in, in charleston to the yorktown uh no no what are you doing next, what, what are you doing next weekend <laughs> i don't know probably I'll, picking I'll, up a horse <laughs> oh, oh yeah i forgot about that I'll, I'll, I'll be in charleston with my daughter at, at patriots point uh i worked there at one point in time I worked oh, there cool. yeah and um i found out museum system was not for me <laughs> the um but uh it, it's an amazing amazing place um to go we're getting we're just going down all kind of rabbit holes um yeah. you know we got to talking about associations then oh, somebody brings up museums and history and i'm like i'm like a crow i see something shiny and i'm all about it you know let's, <laughs> pick, let's just pick it up the uh <laughs> um so you grew you you grew up in rocky mountains um yep. uh take a vacation down to the low country and yep. then uh fell in love with it, fell in love with the people. I uh, hope you fell in love with gullah cooking. Um oh yeah. And uh <laughs> the, man, I'm telling you. Um the uh now I'm thinking about food. The um you hear <laughs> about grill. yeah, yeah, you hear about the Marstacky and then what what I mean what what went off in your head to go, mm, Marstacky? Well, it, it's funny you, you you mentioned the the cooking. I saw a picture of Bill Green. The owner of uh, Gullah Grub uh, on a on a flyer or something. It was from one of the beach races, and he was riding. It was a picture of Bill Green riding Blue Duck, his Grula Marstaki gelding that that he had, and it, it sparked an instant curiosity in me as to these horses. Up to that point, I'd still never heard of uh, of the Marstaki horse um started doing some 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 research learning about them and i was like you know what we i sold my last rocky mountain in 2009 when i got married my wife was active duty in the army um we were moving around traveling i'm like look i don't want to pay for feed for horses that aren't going to be ridden um so i sold them that was 2009 and then you fast forward to uh um 20 Let's see, it's 2023, so 2021. Um, we moved to the place that we're currently living at, five acres. You know, had enough room for for some horses. My daughter loves horses. And I'm like, you know what? If we're going to get into horses, I want to try something different. 
something that I'm not familiar with. And the more I learned about these Mars tackies, the more I was like, that's what I want to try. And we have absolutely, as a family, we have absolutely fallen in love with these horses. And and you have kind of a, and I hate to say it because they are a critically endangered breed. And we're going to have another episode in the future, folks, where we really take a deep dive in these horses. Uh, but I want to kind of touch on this. Is you have a, a kind of a couple of rare examples of Marsh Tackies, and that is you have saddle broke Marsh Tackies. Yes. And yeah. I, I know that sounds strange to a lot of people, but we're talking about a breed that there's roughly around 400 of them and around, what, 12, 14 foals born a year. Yeah. And there might might be 15 of these horses that are out there that are saddle broke. Um, I think uh, Travis told me at the the pig, <clears throat> excuse me, the pigs and pearls that there was in the neighborhood of around 80. Total. 80. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I got the number mixed up. Maybe they're talking about foals being born a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that'd be about right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but 80 is still a small 80 number. Is, 80 is still a small number. Uh, hopefully soon, if everything goes correct, I'll be adding another saddle broke one. Yes. To the, if that works, I don't want to go into too much detail when, if everything happens the way I want it to happen, that's going to be a whole special episode and filming and everything. But <laughs> me, me and Jade are doing some heavy politicking right now. Because <laughs> the boy so, we, but, but if that don't work out, I am looking at uh, a bird baby. Um, very nice. So very nice. I'll get to, I get to pretty much uh, pick the mare and, uh, go through the whole process of waiting waiting for the bread in the oven to come out and be, <laughs> be weaned um so well, i was talking to shannon yesterday um my plan is to breed my dun mare uh reina to bird uh this summer and uh and he told me he goes he goes man you know bird throws some some really nice babies you might not want to get rid of them and i'm like to be honest with you i have zero intention of getting rid of our first marsh tacky yeah. fold um you know if if she comes out of if it comes out of grula i mean it's it's sealed its own fate it will be on our property until the end um it, it, it honestly but, makes me sad that i'm not grabbing after a mare because you know the mayor you have a lot of power with the mayor <laughs> you know what i mean uh and uh you know, kind of does. I'm, I kind of sort of wish that I was going after a Marsh Tacky mare. And then I could be like, hey, Shannon, by the way, what's Bird up to? You know, could, uh, yeah. but I need, I need, I need a gelding. This is, yeah. this is how it's going to be. Well, you know, that's, I have right now, my entire Marsh Tacky herd is made up of, of mares. I have three mares. Um, I'm going down next weekend to to pick up a gelding because my my thought process is okay. I, I have my I have my mares. Yeah. And all three of them are are saddle broke. You know, they're they're proven riding horses. But there's gonna come a point when those are going to be in foal or they're gonna be nursing a foal. And yeah. whenever that time comes, I'm gonna be needing something. You're gonna need a saddle horse. Yeah. So it's a perishable skill. Exactly. Exactly. So is, is it the one that, and I know nobody knows what we're talking about. Is it the one that you sent me the pictures of that uh, was under saddle? Well, which one? Uh, you sent me, the, I can't remember what color it was. It was a lady standing there with the horse. The horse was under saddle. Oh, was it the bay? I think it was a bay. I don't know. Okay. The, 
then yeah, if it was the yeah, then that it's not it's, it's not the one we're, it's not the one you were talking to me about, was it? Because if you're stealing my horse, we're gonna fight. Oh no 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 no! no, no. <laughs> we're gonna uh, we'll, sorry. we'll roll around in an East Tennessee we were, Waffle House parking lot. My 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 son's over here telling me that I'm talking too loud, so I got distracted there for a minute. Tell him when telling he, him I was here first. Tell him tell him when so, he, tell him when he grows up, he'll have some bass in his voice too. That's, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it's you know we want want some good solid riding horses. So now I'm kind of starting to shop around for for geldings and then uh this summer i've got a really good stud prospect yeah um he's he's still nursing his mommy right now but he'll be weaned in june or july so i'm looking forward to, to getting him the the one you're talking about going to get next weekend is he located in the low country uh yeah he's in ridgeland oh he's won't be far from where i'm going to be this weekend yeah. well they're shannon is picking him up and bringing him up to his place to save me about an hour of my already seven and a half hour drive yeah and shane is um, more he's more he's more inland than he yeah that and, and north he's like right off of of i-95 and 26 it's kind of up there where they come together oh yeah i know what you're talking about um yeah we but, don't uh, we don't talk about that part of the state very much <laughs> sorry shannon I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking him a load of hay and in exchange he's gonna board that horse up for me for a for a few days and i don't blame him because the price of hay around here's just got dumb i, I was bragging everybody ridiculous. about how i was bragging everybody about how cheap hay was here and i was seeing everybody else i'm like huh sucks to be you and then all of a sudden i went to go get hay the other day and my guy's like listen we got to have a conversation because i cannot sell you hay for what i'm selling it for and i'm like wait wait a minute what i thought it was your favorite i mean come on man as much hay as i buy from here you can't you know he's like right he said, I can't sell it at a loss. He said, because guess what? I'm out and I'm having to buy it now. And I'm like, yep. oh, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's one of the things that I dread, you know, in the in the hope that we do get down there permanently at some point. Yeah, I can get, I mean, it, granted, it's just a, you know, it's a mixed grass hay. But, you know, I don't have performance horses, so I'm not, you know. I don't, I don't either. I'm not feeding bougie hay. And yeah. it, it irks so many people, and I see a lot of people that just have pleasure horses, and they are just pumping them full of, like, performance feed and alfalfa and everything else. That You do you. I mean, if that works for your pony, then that works for your pony. It don't work for mine because mine would look like potatoes. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it for $4 a square bale here, you know, so. Yeah. I can, I mean, I, it's just, I, you're going to pay about $2 more here per square bale. Yeah. Um, it's the round bales that I'm terrified to look at. Well, so I, I buy coastal, really good, clean horse quality coastal that's tested. I know my forage quality and everything. And I'm giving, I'm giving $70 right now. How long do you get out of a round bale like that? Um, I've got, uh, I've got a horse, a donkey, and two cows on it. I can get, I can get a week. Oh, that's pretty good, man. I can, I can get a week on it. They're they're pretty good size bells. And then uh, my daughter's pony. She's on squares just because it's because I have her uh, in her own paddock, and it's just easier. And she doesn't eat a lot. She lives on air, and it's so easy for me to just go. Here's a couple of flakes. Here's a half a scoop of you know <laughs> your your overpriced ration balancer that's got a pony on the bag. Um, yeah, you know, I I buy the feed because my daughter likes the bag yeah really, really she just needs a ration balancer that's it 
but it's <laughs> especially and like if you look at the ingredients on this thing, it's literally a ration balancer. Uh, but it's specially formulated formulated for ponies and minis. And I'm like, she could just eat omeline, you know, like everybody yeah. else, or just eat a basic ration balancer. Why, why twenty seven dollars a bag? <laughs> You know, but it lasts her. That, that bag will last her almost a month. So I mean, you know. yeah, you know, my horses are such easy keepers. You know, they graze in the day, they get a net, an overnight net in the stall of uh, a Timothy alfalfa mix, and then I give them each a half scoop of alfalfa pellets just to keep them coming to the barn willfully. Yeah. Um, Don't ever underestimate the power of alfalfa pellets. And if you're somewhere that has crappy forage, alfalfa pellets. Alfalfa pellets are cheap. Yeah, like it's, they're it's, they're well worth it, and they're they're worth every dime that you spend on them. I tr- yeah. I, try, I tried the cubes one time, and I'd have to leave them. I'd have to soak them. You know, you got to soak those things, and then I always had one horse that would always walk through the hall of the barn while they were soaking and try to eat them hard, and then try to die. Yeah, so then I'd have to hide the bucket. Yeah, I, I had one of those. She she tried to kill herself at every turn. Now we've got one of those. My my daughter's a walking horse. That's that's her. She she choked on us while I was uh uh down in South Carolina picking up Aurora, my red roan mare, um, that I got from Shannon. But yeah, we we got down there and then I got a call from I've, I've got awesome neighbors, you know. They look they're horse people, they have horses, so they just come over and keep an eye on ours and they were like, Your daughter's uh horses choking oh um i'm like well we should probably call the vet they're like we already did (laughs) it's not the phone call you really want you know no no of course then you feel guilty you're like here you know here i am on in coastal south carolina enjoying a couple days and yeah my neighbors are you know (laughs) i was living at my barn the, the worst phone call i ever got about horses was i was in uh melbourne florida and uh, well, actually just right outside of melbourne uh north of melbourne and, and Cocoa beach and sting my daughter at space coast all of that stuff we're at a resort i am at a swim up uh bar and i am four or five drinks in you know and i'm laying there in the sun with my little drink and my phone's laying on my chest and all of a sudden it, it goes off and i call and it's my neighbor and he goes uh, hey, he goes, I tried to call your dad. He goes, I couldn't get a hold of him. He goes, so I'm calling you. Where are you at? And I said, Florida. And he goes, uh-oh. And I go, why? He goes, your horses are out. And I go, are they in your yard? I was like, I was like, you, you just open the gate, take them back, you know, just go over there, grab an empty bucket. They'll follow you, you know, take them back. And he goes, no, 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 no. Uh, there are three houses down and across the road right now. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so I'm like blowing up dad's phone. I finally get a hold of mom and I was like, where's dad? And she goes, he's at the grocery store. And I was like, look in the backyard. And I was like, do you see any horses? And she goes, no, they might be up at the barn. And I said, or they could be in the neighbor's yard. <laughs> uh, so then I'm trying to make a decision. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm seven hours from home. Do I, you know, I'm not going to make it. What do I do? You know, so I'm like calling friends and I'm like, hey. And then I realized none of my friends are comfortable with horses. So I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> what, what do I do? And I was like, just I just don't I just don't want the next phone call to be the county, you know? Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. The horses have a knack for uh interrupting and you know, 
You know, you know what the actual cause of them getting out was? You forgot to lock the gate. I forgot to lock the gate. Yeah. <laughs> but ninety-five percent of the time, that's it. Like I have these D rings and chains I put on the gates, like it's ghetto, but it works. And um, yeah, I forgot to lock the walkthrough gate. Yep. Because I have it, I need to. You know, the sand washes down under it. So it always gets built up. So it's a bad when I open a gate, it's always kind of forceful. So I just kind of forced it close. And I was doing something else and was going to go back in there. And I never went back in there. It's, isn't it? I mean, you know, in your defense, it, it is an easy thing to do. It is, I mean, but it we, really is. but really, I preach make sure you lock the gate as soon as you leave. You know, I mean, yeah. don't, if you don't care if you're going back in there two seconds later, lock it. You know, I did it. Ugh. Yeah. So, the uh we get we gotta we gotta bring up the uh the elephant in the room though your your musical talents oh okay we we gotta bring that up so i've had i don't know if you know who roosevelt road is um yeah yeah so i've had uh i've had uh half of roosevelt road on the floor uh, floor <laughs> i've got no not the floor um, <laughs> i've had half of roosevelt road on the show before um and had a great conversation about you know music and western culture and this that and the other um and then i've talked ad nauseum you know online and in videos and everything else about my musical background and then we had a couple of beers at the marsh tacky event at the pigs and pearls and um i for the first time when i was in a room talking about people i knew and bands i was in um i felt like a little boy <laughs> like you you i mean you saw my battleship <laughs> like i'm just taking my ball and going home here you know <laughs> do, do you mind talking about that a little bit no no because i no. I, I think it's interesting because like half the people that listen you know most people they listen they, they tune in for the horse talk they stay for the bs that comes after it <laughs> and this is the perfect kind of BS sesh that 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 we need is <laughs> the world how, needs it. Huh? Yeah, how you got started in music, and all the musicians that you got to tour with. Oh, I mean, you know, the music was a big part of our family as well. My dad played music. Grandparents played music. It was just something we always always did. It tends, oh. it tends to be a thing in the South and predominantly areas in Appalachia and around Appalachia, I've noticed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's just as, you know, the, the music is as much a part of the, the culture as, as food, really. Um, you know, and, and, and I know that, that you're, you're aware, you know, so much of, of Appalachia can trace back, you know, to the old country, you know, England, Scotland um and and so much of even down to the way we talk is a remnant of of that yeah see um, my 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 family were the oddballs you know appalachia is the appalachia is, is we're mainly settled by uh english scotch and irish mm -hmm. and and the language just like you said is really just a slower drawn out version of old english because you have a lot of people in in the uk now go no it sounds not like our accent no it sounds like your accent you know 200 years ago um yeah. 
it, it, it it's a little different, just a little slower. My family were French Huguenots. So yeah, they were they were they were a little, they were the odd ducks out in Appalachia, but <laughs> but hey, we're the we're the melting pot. It's all welcome. It really is. You know. <laughs> um so yeah, I started playing music, really took a shine to it. Um when I was in college, I, I met and he's still a friend of mine. Um he was there um majoring in music most of what he was focused on in school was classical violin um but he was a fiddle player mm-hmm. but that's that's all he did um on weekends he would leave out and i went to college at moorhead state university in eastern kentucky um on weekends he'd head out he went to he'd go to nashville um and he through contacts that he had made um would go down there and play honky tonks with uh, uh, on it. Uh, if if I wasn't on the spot, I could tell you exactly who. Um, but he he, he was playing honky tonks down on Music Row with with a lot of of really good country acts. Not really mainstream in today's terms, but they you know they were mainstream at some point. Um, and uh, one day he called me. Uh. It was right after I got out of college, or I was finishing up college, my senior year. Um, he called me and he said, uh, said, I know a guy that he, he's trying to get, said a couple members of his band left. He's trying to get some guys together for, for touring dates. Um, he said, would you be, be interested? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I, I called him up, um, Marty Raven. He was a lead singer for Shenandoah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, they were heard of him <laughs> they 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 were as good as you could get in the 80s and 90s and they're still have come, mean, and have yeah. come full circle and they're back yeah kicking butt again. I, in fact today i listened to uh sunday in the south now it's they're all over the radio again yeah. like they never left and they really didn't my favorite song by them though is one it's not really obscure but it's one you don't really hear anymore and it's ghost in the south <laughs> love that song but that's a good one yeah i mean if anybody doesn't know who shenandoah is or marty rayburn is that is um if you're on tiktok the song is what's trending there for a while people making videos two dozen roses yep yeah he i mean he, he's a phenomenal phenomenal singer um my buddy gave me his phone number he's like call him so i called him up and uh so i heard you looking for some some guys now you know i play a lot of instruments over the years i learned how to play a lot of different instruments and he said well what is it that uh, that you're wanting to play i said well I, you know i can i can play a i can play guitar i can play banjo as well i just i've already hired banjo and, and guitar player can, can 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 you play fiddle it's like no no I, I that's the one instrument that i hadn't learned how to play he said can you play bass and <laughs> I said, I've never owned one. I, I never have. And he, his exact words were, it's just like the top four strings on a guitar. He says, Marty, see if you can get one. Marty Rayburn lied to you, didn't he? <laughs> he said, see if you can get one. And he said, I'll be in West Virginia visiting family. This was the week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. 
you can come over and audition with me then. So I borrowed a, an acoustic Martin bass off of a friend of mine, and I woodshedded with that bass for like four days. I had two of Marty Rabin's CDs, which I already had, and I just sat there, one song after the other. I mean, my fingers were purple. And I went to West Virginia. I sat down. I, I was expecting like a, a band audition. No, it was in a bedroom. Marty was oh. sitting there with his guitar, and then I was there with my bass. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was And that was it. And, uh, and I gave it all I had. And uh, after we were done with that, we walked into the kitchen. I ate Christmas dinner with him and his family. And then he said, I'll call you after Christmas. So before you continue, what year was this? Uh, this would have been 2007. Okay. Is, is when that was. Um, and, uh, you know, I walked out of there thinking, I'm never going to hear from him again. Yeah. And sure enough, it was like New Year's Eve. He said, well, we've got our first show at Jekyll Island, Georgia. On the sixth of January, Jekyll Island, Atlanta, on the fifth. That's a that's an awesome place too. If anybody's ever been, well, that year, so that would have been January of two thousand and eight. That was when it snowed on Daytona Beach. Yeah, it was freezing down there, and uh, I went and played that show, and uh, ended up working with him over two different stints for about four years altogether. I worked for him for three years, uh, left, played with uh, with a couple other kind of bluegrass music heavy hitters, um, Don Rigsby. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a very short kind of fill-in stint with Ralph Stanley II, Ralph Stanley's son, um, and then went back and worked for Marty for another year, and then my daughter was born, and I was like, that's that's the end of traveling for me. I would rather be at home. Um, but figured it up. We saw like 38 States, three or four Canadian provinces, Puerto Rico, um, did a couple cruises, which is anytime that you get paid to go on a cruise. Oh yeah. I'm all for it. And, and you get to use the thing. I'm with the band. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had my little, uh, all access Marty Raven neck badge, you know, on the land. So is this when he was touring as a solo artist? Yes. Okay. Yes. He he had left. He had left Shenandoah. Cut a solo album. Ended up cutting about three or four more. Yeah. Um. So you you didn't I, you didn't get the opportunity to say that you were a member of Shenandoah. No. No. Unfortunately, <laughs> I did not. Like, like is any more or less cool? You know. <laughs> I see you got some but, good help. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's my little sidekick. That you is, know, yeah. See, I never, never. See, it never worked out for me like that. Like it was just, <laughs> it, it never. We, it, uh, and and I, you know, as a, as another bass guy, uh, which sorry. which you had to you had to you had to learn bass to, uh, um, th- to get it. Um, bass was kind of shoved on me at the time because I couldn't do anything else. You know, right. and I the, the first time I ever picked up a bass, it was I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and uh, he was actually practicing with his band, and their bass player quit or wasn't there or nothing, and they're <laughs> like, "Can you play guitar?" And I was like, "I can, I can play like G, C, and E," 
you know, I can, I can play, like, <laughs> I can play like busker chords, you know, and, uh, <laughs> uh, a few power chords, you know, that's kind of all I got. And they're like, oh, cool. So, and they pick up this bass and they go here, here, and here, we're going to play this fall in. And I'm like, cool. And, you know, I had been a, a brass instrument player for 10 years before that. I understood music and rhythm and timing, you know, the, I understood music theory and that's the hardest part, I think, for a lot of people. You can train your fingers to make notes. It's the theory behind it all is it's hard. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, with enough practice, most people can 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 learn an instrument. It's the it's the theory and timing. Um, it's the nuance of of playing an instrument where a lot of people struggle. Um, and so I had the majority of that down, and then all of a sudden I have this bass that's bigger than me you know in 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 my hands uh and it was and it, and it you know it wasn't a, it was a five string bass the only thing that would have made it more foreign to me was if it was fretless you know <laughs> but but it wasn't and then they're playing a song that i had never even heard before and then i kind of get the feel for it and i'm like oh, okay and then i just start you know one string in it and i finally get it down and once i get it down i started adding my little touch to it and they're like oh cool you want a job and i'm like huh like, no not really i'm not i'm, I'm not it's kind of like star wars you know these are not the droids you're looking for i am not the bass player you're looking for um but i did it i did it anyway and then that turned into you know me fronting a band um and then playing bass and a couple of others, but nothing, nothing. Uh, our idea of touring was just all the bars uh, within a month on the same street, you know. And it, for the longest time, that was me, you know. I, I thought I was legit, you know, playing, you know, down on Main Street, south of campus. Yeah. Um, and and then I got that opportunity to work for Marty, which I, you know, even now looking back on it, I mean, I. I literally learned how to play bass on the job. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's really what it was. I, I learned the, the basics and the fundamentals. And then as I got more comfortable with, with things, I, I you know, my, my playing developed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it definitely wasn't my abilities at the time. You know, Marty's just a, a fantastic great human being and oh, yeah. uh and and was able to see i guess see the dedication that, that i had for wanting to do a good oh, job yeah. i bought know? i bought a mandolin recently and uh that that's a lot harder instrument than a lot of people ever give it credit for to yeah. play to play it properly and i've got down where i can strum a little bit and like i have small hands and some some finger shapes for me on a on a fret board on a guitar uh can be a little difficult it's a stretch it's a, some of the, some of those weird chords can be a stretch for folks with big hands right? yeah um and then you got me so i'm always looking for an easy out like can i knock this down to something else like you know <laughs> always for me um you know like uh I'm always that guy that that will, you know, if you tell me C, it's going to be a C add nine. Yeah. Like, that's just me. I'm no, 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 no. I'm playing a C add nine. I'm <laughs> don't, don't ask. Don't, don't ask me. 
you're getting a C at nine. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but mandolin is just, I thought I was like, oh, I picked this up. You know, I play a little guitar, you know, I know my way pretty well around a bass. It's fine. You know, I screw around with it. Two years later, I'm still like, I, I feel like, you know, I'm strumming Mary had a little lamb or something. Yeah. You know, I'm like, this thing is hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got one and it, it kind of, it's kind of one of those things that I just got frustrated with and it just lives in the case. It, it, it's, My daughter gets it out every now and then, but yeah, mine is a, uh, I about to say it's the same as this guitar behind me. I had to, I had a brain fart. It's an, it's a, uh, it, I think it's also an Epiphone. It's a, it's a hybrid acoustic electric mandolin. Um, great, great tone, not super expensive, you know, anything like that, but um, yeah. great tone, definitely something that if I would, uh was a better player i'd definitely play in front of people with it's a beautiful mandolin um mm -hmm. and again like i say sounds great um and i don't sound great with it in my hands now the <laughs> they i got it from a friend of mine and i say i bought it it was actually a gift um a friend of mine that was moving um out of state and she goes i want you to have my mandolin because i'm not gonna take it with me and i'm always frustrated with it and i'm like okay because she wanted to learn mandolin as well and wanted to do a bluegrass thing and the hopes was we were all going to do a bluegrass thing to me together and then i realized that when we all got together and tried to play bluegrass that we really needed to listen to a lot of speed metal first <laughs> you know and i don't think a lot of people understand that it's bluegrass is speed metal with different instruments and no drums yeah well i mean there, there's a reason that bill monroe the uh the the originator of bluegrass music there there's a reason he is in the rock and roll hall of fame yeah i mean there I there met, really is i met a guy one night one time that was uh in fact he was a bass player he was a bass player for um a band called the uh whiskey gentry um bluegrassy type outfit uh I, I don't know if they're still together i know lauren i think her name's lauren morrow uh, was their lead singer. I know she's making some waves now around Nashville as a solo artist. But uh, I looked at him and he just stood out. Like he looked like I looked as a teenager, you know, tiny black t shirt, hair kind of all wonky, you know, <laughs> definitely kind of a punk rock kid. And I was like, you don't look like you fit in. And he started laughing. He goes, I love it though. And I, <laughs> I said, I said, what got you playing this? And he goes, he said, well, I grew up with it, he said, and he was the one that made the connotation that bluegrass is speed metal with different instruments and no drums. And yeah. he goes, I'm, he goes, there's nothing like it. He goes, I thought I could play fast. He goes, and then the the guy I met that got me into playing bluegrass bass uh, was doing everything I'm doing on electric bass, but with an upright. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a it's almost a music has to be bred into you i mean really and and i know that some people would laugh at that but you know most most of your best bluegrass musicians you know are from the appalachians yeah i mean in tennessee kentucky virginia you know that that corridor oh yeah um, and there's a handful of exceptions out there like there are uh, there like, are like chris jones uh, I don't know if you know who Chris Jones is. Yeah. Uh, I think he's from New York, you know, like like New York City, New York, you know. He's from Canada originally, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I he thought well, maybe he maybe he a lot of time over there. <laughs> maybe he yeah maybe he lived in New York for a while. But I know he is he's not an Appalachian born born no, guy. No. Um. Well, and even the even the thing too with like um a lot of country artists and it, it's kind of funny but you know because different regions have their own different sound. You know, uh, Buck Owens started the Bakersfield sound, and there's another mm-hmm. artist that encompasses that sound too, and that's Dwight Yoakam. Dwight Yoakam is from Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I've taken and I love Dwight. I have tickets to see Dwight on the twentieth of April. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm not missing a chance to see Dwight. <laughs> you know, I love Dwight Yoga. Um, yep. you know, and, and then there's another guy that kind of encompasses that kind of sound too, but in a modern kind of tone, that Bakersfield sound. And that's because he is from that area too, and that's Gary Allen. Yep. Gary Allen's a California kid, you know. Buck Owens was a California yep. kid. And you know, it's it's a different type of music, you know. There's a reason why red dirt music is called red dirt music. It is Texas style of country, and then you have that Texas swing, which is and a the, different type of country. the The Texas music scene is unreal. It is unreal. I mean, you have got guys that if Pat Green, for example. Now, let me tell you something. When wave upon wave comes on, no one better talk in the car. No. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And he was like, so my wife did AIT, went to AIT in uh, at Fort Sam Houston. Okay. It was set, it was a few years before Pat Green really hit the national scene. Mm-hmm. And she was like, he was a celebrity in Texas for yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Well, and, but you'll have that, though. Like, so I can name a couple of guys here that were that way before they ever got on the radio. Like, here in the area that I live in, uh, Corey Smith, um, He's a celebrity no matter where he goes, and he's only ever had one song on the radio. And another one, before he ever got signed to a big deal, uh, was the same way, and that was uh, Brantley Gilbert. Um, Brantley Gilbert was a celebrity long before he had a – and it's weird how music scenes are like that. I can't believe this has turned into a music podcast, folks. <laughs> but um, it's weird how music scenes are that way because I can remember coming up in regional acts. Like, you know, I grew up obviously in in kind of a punk rock kind of scene. And I can remember the bands that were regional type bands long before they ever had any success. It was almost like, man, you know, you're like you you fanboyed. But yeah. Texas is totally different. Like you can make a living in Texas on Texas radio and never get airplay anywhere else. I was gonna say, and nobody beyond the borders of that state have a no. clue. I guarantee you, Aaron Watson was a millionaire before he ever had a song on mainstream. Oh, yeah. You know, and I love Aaron Watson. And I, you know, the same way with, you know, and it's not just Texas, you have that whole Texas, Oklahoma kind of, that's all that, that's all that same, you know, music scene with guys like Stoney LaRue and, um, uh, shit, Corey Morrow, um, Pat Green. I mean, there's a shit ton of them that are that way. Aaron Watson. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they just, it, it's crazy. These are guys that you say their name and um, they're like, you know, who, you know, I, I tell you another yeah. one that was that way. Um, He's huge. Uh, Cody Johnson. Cody Johnson was that guy until recently. Uh, Parker yep. McCullum was that guy until recently. Like they were killing it on Texas radio. Yeah. yeah. Like there That's are, it. there are radio stations in Texas that do not play anything that comes out of Nashville. Yeah. I yeah. love that it, by the way. I mean, I think that's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I wish there were more, you know, regions that that had that healthy of a music scene. 
Yeah, that'd be the only reason I'd ever want to move to Texas. Would be <laughs> like I have no interest in. Everybody's like, "Oh man, you ought to come here," and I'm like, "I've seen your tax rate. No." Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but well, we, we don't we don't have to pay for this. We don't pay for that. Yeah, but they're getting you somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We we looked at uh, um several years back. We looked at some some land in in Texas with the possibility of of going down there eventually. You know, the the hill country around Fredericksburg and. New Braunfels and that area. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a nice area. Um, the, the ranches are, are unbelievable out there. You know, if you, if you owned a 50 acre ranch, they'll laugh at you because oh, that's a yeah. backyard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it just didn't quite, I don't know. My, my wife, she was like, I did AIT there. I know what it has to offer and it's just not really, yeah, us. I'm, you know, and I know there's a lot of folks that are out there that are moving to Texas. And I know I've got Texans that listen to the show and, it, you know, you've got pride in where you live, have pride in where you, I have pride where I live. I love absolutely. Oh, I'm not, I'm not dogging the state of yeah, Texas. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not dogging the state of Texas at all. I personally, uh, for me, I, 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 where I am, I mean, South Carolina's got more to offer to me. Yeah. This, for one, it's where I'm from. I have roots here. Um, you know, I'll be a, it don't matter where I live, I'll be a South Carolinian until I die. Yeah. You know, and Texans are kind of the same way. You know, they can, they could live in Alberta, but they're Texans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I, and I'm the same way about South Carolina. You know, it's, I'll be a South, for all its faults, it's just not perfect. But uh, I'd I, I love it here. I love the, there's, to me, there's nowhere on the planet that I would trade for the low country. First of all, you know, it's enough yep. that, you know, you're talking about moving to the low country. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at, at the same time, you know, Kentucky will always be home. That's right. Kentucky will always be home. And, and not only that, and, but I've been to, I've, I've been to Eastern Kentucky and around Lexington and on. I'm going to tell you, that's a gorgeous ass state. It is. It, it really, you know, I told you the, a few weeks ago, um, as I was driving into to Lexington, it was just, it was a sunny day. We've had some nice warm weather. Grass is starting to green up. And I looked over on that hill. It was in the morning. So the sun was pretty low in the sky. There was this field th full of thoroughbred mares, had foals with them. And I'm like, gosh, yeah, you know, I almost want to just pull over and take a picture. That That is Kentucky to me. You know, that that's, and and that's the, the view when when you mention Kentucky to somebody. That's what pops up in their head. Oh yeah, you know I get to see it every day. Oh yeah, um, you know, and it's uh, it, it's it's such a, a special, you know, special place. I mean, I can drive, I can drive twenty minutes, and be looking at, um, you know, Secretariat's grave. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I mean it's it dude, is, what's that? It's still too soon. <laughs> like I am so uh -oh. cliche. When it comes to racehorses, and like I have friends that are huge off the track folks, like they they have taken in countless horses, turned them around, made a, you know amazing sport horses and all of them, and they'll talk about lines and horses and stuff like this, you know. And I'm standing there with my rich strike hat on, you know, because <laughs> I'm so cliche when it comes to racehorses. But like me and Flo Schmorgoner, uh had a conversation one day and she goes you don't have bad taste in horses she goes you just have a cliche taste in horses. Yeah. <laughs> they're all amazing it's just you know 
and you know i am sham and secretariat and stormcat you know and nearco and uh like right now man i am i am all about some rich strike uh you know not only that i just love that horse's story i love the owner i love the trainer i love uh, eric reed is everything awesome about yeah i just yeah. love that whole story you know and i had, well, somebody... I had a friend a, a really good friend of mine um at the time he, he lives up in indiana now but at the time he was a, a barn manager at uh windstar yeah um he was a uh, the one of the brew bear barns mm-hmm. and you know you're talking about texas people don't realize how big some of these horse farms are in oh, kentucky yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to the point that, you know, you don't have a farm manager, you have a barn manager. Yeah. You take care of one barn, um, spy coast farm right up the road here, 20, 25 minutes. That's a 2000 acre farm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge. And there's a lot of those, um, you know, Windstar is a big one and, you know, the, the, the thoroughbred community is definitely thriving but in kentucky that's what gets most of the attention but there are so many other breeds and disciplines here that uh you know the the rocky mountains um tennessee walking horses saddlebreds i mean it's it's just it's a real real hodgepodge and i know you went to the horse park last year to the road to the horse you did you got to check out a lot of that oh yeah didn't you oh yeah i got to check out a lot of that and that, that that honestly brings me to something else we did not talk about while uh we were talking about horses we we got to talking about um marty rayburn and didn't get to talk about didn't get to talk about this which is really one of the main things why i wanted to bring you on i'm jeez <laughs> i can't believe that hopefully uh, the people that started listening yeah. to hear about mars tackies are still listening that's right they're they're probably like Ugh. <laughs> if you stuck around to the end folks uh boy have we got a treat for you you don't have you actually don't have one you have two horses right that are at the kentucky at horse, the horse park, park. Yeah. yes that are part of the yep. uh in the uh the breed barn yep breed barn the parade of breeds they've got two of my mares uh they actually have the very first mare that i got um hex my little black mare she uh she was the first one. I got her sent up. She was actually in Texas. So I got her shipped up here from from Texas. How did a tanky get uh, in Texas? Well, the military family. Oh, okay. Military family. She bought the the girl bought the the mare, the mom of my Philly. Um, and then he got sent, I think it was I think it's Fort Hood is where they ended up. Yeah. So they loaded up their horses and went there. I mean, I um, love I love the idea that there was a tacky in Texas, but it's just kind of one yeah. of those places when you marsh tacky and somebody goes Texas, you're like, what? I mean, might as well be like, oh, I found a marsh tacky on the moon, you know? <laughs> well, and you know, you know, the the horse people that I talk to up here, very few of them know what that breed is or have ever heard of of the marsh tacky breed. Um, but you know, from my perspective, I was like, this is the this is the horse capital of the world, you know, if. If a strange breed needs to turn up in Kentucky, it's it's a tacky. Yeah. Um, best of our knowledge, we're the only people in the state that's got them up here. Um, I did have like 75% of the Marsh tackies in Kentucky. And then I bought the one that didn't belong to me. <sighs> and now have, have all of them. So, um, but uh, 
you know, the, the breeds barn and the parade of breeds at the horse park does a huge service for breed awareness um, for these rare breeds, little known breeds. And it's long story short, the, uh, the, the Dunn mare that I have is the one that I bought from the other person that had one up here. Okay. Um, she had sent her to the horse park. Um, but Raina, the, the mare has a, a little mean streak in her. Mm-hmm. She's not fond of being petted on and, and loved on. It drives my daughter crazy. Um, and, uh, she got expelled from the breed's barn no for biting, for, <laughs> for biting guests. And, uh, so my, my little black mare, um, the, the lady that had, had Raina, she was like, would you be interested in taking Hex over there and letting them have her? Which at the time I just saw her last week at the time she was like, right. She was like 13, one, you know, pretty, still pretty small. She's just two and a half years old. Um, and she had like four rides on her at the yeah. time. And she's too small for me to ride right now. And I called the or I called the lady, uh, Mindy Welch, who's the barn manager at the at the horse park. And I was like, look, I'm offering this mare up for loan. Just be aware. She's only had four rides on her. You know, don't know how this is going to end up. Um, yeah, yeah, we we'd love to try her out. And uh, so I took her over there. I took her, picked up the the Dunn mare, and uh, just kept her here and rode her for a while, which is as as big of a pain in the rear as she is in personality. She is a phenomenal riding horse. Um, but uh, they Hex has been there. They love her. Fell in love with her. Everybody does. She loves the attention, and. Uh, Last week, we were talking, and I was like, "Do you all, all want to take my red roan?" Because I mean, honestly, you know, if you go to the horse park and you look around, like seventy-five to eighty percent of the horses there are black. Yeah, just a common color, except for those mean ass minis they've got. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, they just come running to the fence whenever you come go walking by. Whoa, yeah. hey. Where, where'd you come from? <laughs> um, so, so she she's broke. So I took her over there and put her on the own the own mare on loan just so they you know kind of a more showy, flashy looking tacky. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they're to, both. You have to take a bougie one, you know, to show off. That's how. <laughs> so Raina or uh, I'm sorry, Hex will come back here. She'll come home in November, and uh, Aurora, the the Rome mare, she'll be there through, you know, February, March of 2024. And at that point, I will either decide which one I want to leave there, or, you know, I may have another one up and ready to to go. I kind of looked at it as an opportunity. um, Number one, these horses are getting way more saddle time than I'm going to give them. Yeah that I have time to give. And number two, they're doing a, a, a really good job at, at promoting the breed because I mean, there's millions of people come through that horse park every year. 
And number three is when I start, you know, breeding mares, that's going to be a good opportunity to kind of give them a break and let them be a horse. Yeah. You know, a year pregnant, then nursing and weaning the, the baby, then they can go to the horse park for a year keep riding but just enjoy you know just enjoy life i mean they don't you know they're not like texas ranch horses they're not working them to death i mean these my horses are getting ridden 15 20 minutes a day five days a week it's a pretty cush job really yeah i need to hopefully i'll get back up there soon that way i can check see your horses up there yeah 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 well Um, and i got uh for the marsh tackies the pigs and pearls I was able to get some, uh, um, or I facilitated getting some passes for the auction. Okay. And uh, Colin is the one that ended up getting those. So he's talking about coming up at, at some point in the next year to check out the horse park and all that kind of good Sorry, stuff. I'll, but, I'll probably just hit your, I'd probably like, hey, Colin, you know, me and you are besties now. Let's just, let's go. I was going to be, at, yeah, I was going to be at road to the horse, but that's not going to happen this year. Oh, you're not gonna make it? No, I'm not gonna make it road to the horse this year. So good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just I know you're not gonna be there, but uh your reason is a lot better than mine. I'll put it that yeah. way. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got our our family trip that yeah. week and my uh, yeah, it, it involves, a lot of people wouldn't forgive me. Yeah, it involves me being uh the crappiest person possible to my former co host on here. So uh oh. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> I am a hundred percent at fault. I admit it. Uh, yeah, feelings feelings were hurt, and they were rightfully hurt. So, well, my uh, yeah. I let I let a little bit of a little little bit of an ego kind of get the best of it. I've never had an ego before in my life, and then uh, all of this stuff kind of started happening, and got a little too big for my britches. Hurt some people's feelings pretty bad. Well. So, you know, it, 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 here's the thing, whether you want to admit it or not, we all have an ego to some extent. Yeah. But I mean, I, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it, it was the absolute worst thing possible you could, uh, uh, you could do. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that at that, but yeah, it was, um, so won't be at the uh, won't be at the horse park. Um, so uh, are you are you coming to the the annual meeting? The yes, I will. I will be at the annual meeting. Okay, I've got uh, that bed. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to crash with you. Um, uh, I probably will end up crashing with you. Um, <laughs> because you know, uh, let me let me double check. Um, because my daughter had said something about that wanting to tag along. Uh, oh, okay. And uh if if she does, then I'll look at an Airbnb or something. But uh um, if not, um I'll know I'll know like tomorrow. I forgot I needed to get with you on that. God you brought it up, so now you know we can just let, the end, <laughs> let all I don't know, several thousand of you that download this thing this week know that uh you know, me and you are gonna be bunkies. <laughs> so, well, you know, when, okay. When I when I first found out about the meeting, I was like and when they first let the dates out, I was like, you know, I don't know anything about that place. I'm like, am I going to have to like ask Mark if I can sleep in his stock trailer or something for a night or something? Or? You should just 
I would, yeah, I could, if you two end up spooning, I'm taking a picture of that. <laughs> Unfortunately, so I called and they were like, yeah, we have rooms. I'm like, hey, that'll work. And they said, how many stalls do you need? I'm like, oh, you have stalls. Oh, so, well, highbrow. Yeah. So I got, I got both me and my horse a room. Hell yeah. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> uh, um, I was thinking about bringing my pony because it's an hour and a half from home, right? It's just, it's uh, not too far from me. I used to do a civil war event there every year back in my reenactor days. Okay. And, uh, but, uh, I thought about bringing my potato mare and, uh, doing the, the ride, but I don't know. I still don't know if I'm going to bring a horse or not. Yeah. Uh, might just bring me and, and politic a little bit. So did you meet, uh, at the, the pigs and pearls, did you meet Lee McKenzie? by chance i couldn't tell you if i did or didn't okay at at one point in the night it was all a blur so so he's one of the charter members of the association Mm -hmm. i mean that and that's one of the awesome things about these marsh tackies is you know in in terms of a registered you know distinct breed they are fairly new yeah you know, I mean, we know their history and we know how long they've been around, but as far as an organized registered breed, they're fairly new. And one of the coolest things is that we, they're, they're a new enough breed that we still have those first gen guys. Yeah. With us, you know, Lee was breaking and riding these horses as a kid. And he's still around, you know, and, and and he has forgotten more about Marsh Tackies than most of us will, will ever know. Yeah. Um, but I, I was talking to him on the phone the other day and he was like, yep. He says, I've, I I don't know yet, but we've got some, a lot of things going on right now. But uh, he said, I think I may get some shoes put on my mule. Oh. Head that way. <laughs> if, if I show up, I'll be, I'll be that bumpkin you know, with a barefoot horse. <laughs> yeah. None, none of my horses wear shoes. I yeah, don't I know. All mine are barefoot. And I know some people are like, somebody were just taken aback right now. I'm like, you can understand where we live. It's like, yeah. it's all sugar sand here, folks. Like it, our ponies are fine. Like, and it's, yeah. it's not that bad on y'all up there either. No, and, no, no. Uh, I, I never I, put the, the only time I ever put shoes. We used, when I was younger, we used to ride roads a lot. Yeah. You know, and there is nothing in this world, you know, like a nice gated Rocky Mountain and hearing every step on that pavement yeah, as you're going. Yeah. And uh, you <laughs> talking about music, there was a bluegrass festival up the road. Of course, none of us could afford to get in. So we used to, to take a road, ride a road up and around the festival grounds. And there was a spot up on top of the hill. We called it Tightwad Knob. Mm-hmm. And we would go up there and just sit and drink beer and listen to music up there. And it sound projected up the up the holler right up to where we were. Tight tightwad knob. For a bunch tight, of tightwads yeah. that, that I get <laughs> it now. It just it all sunk in. That that was what we called it. And uh, you know, that that was that was probably some of the best years of my life, you know, course wise. Yeah, we rode. I mean, we rode five six days a week, and in the summer when it was eighty degrees, 
we would hang out at the barn until 9.30 at night, drop glow sticks on our stirrups, and take off and ride until 4 or 5 in the morning. See, we're, we weren't smart enough for glow sticks. We'd get out on dirt roads, not knowing if there was a car around the bend or whatsoever, could not see your hand in front of your face and drag race horses. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. it's the dumbest yep. thing ever. Al- alcohol involved, because no sober, sane person is doing anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'd just be like, it's amazing we didn't kill a poor pony. Like, you know, well, today, I, today, if I hear somebody doing something like that, I'm like, poor horse. You should think about your horse. Like, I make content yeah. about, you should think about your horse. And then me as a teenager is like, you know, onward, sparkle farts. Let's go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we, we gauged at the time, we gauged the quality of our rides, of our oh, gated horses. I'm going to go ahead and take whether our, our beer fizzed or not when we opened it up. That's the great thing about gated horses. You know? The, I'm about just for the record, the name of this episode is going to be Tight Wide Knob. Yeah, it's got to be the name of this episode is going to be Tight Wide Knob. S- summers on Tight Wide Knob. Summers on Tight Wide Knob. Yep. Yeah. The uh, the, it's just it. You just solidified that best episode name ever. Eat your <laughs> eat your heart out drinking, bros. Uh, the uh, can't top that one. <laughs> oh man jay this has been an awesome episode buddy it has been man i had fun yeah had so fun. uh now you, now you know what it's like i'm gonna get you back on though when we do the uh the marsh tappy i can't talk marsh tacky episode uh i haven't even had anything to drink i had one beer and i still can't i just have perpetual mush mush mouth <laughs> people i mean uh, I, it's water for me tonight i hit the beer pretty hard last night so I haven't I have had a, a drop to drink until tonight. And this I had is... I had one beer. I had one beer. Uh, somebody brought me some um, burnt, brisket burnt ends. Um, and it, you can't eat that without a quarters. I mean, it's just... No, no. It, yeah, it, I went to the... I went to, well, I made a mistake. I went to the liquor store yesterday. I was looking for that the special edition Secretariat with no, the Reserve. You're, you're, you're still on that, aren't you? And Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, my man's on a mission. <laughs> so i went there and i was like hey you know case of beer would be nice so i grabbed it and i was like yeah that'll last me a while and i drank like way too many of them well i know you sent me a picture for those that don't know i just get a random text from jay and it's just a 12 pack of cores <laughs> and then i remember just going just typing out a bunch of M's going, mm. and then I never heard anything else back from him. So <laughs> I, my assumption was he fell into that 12 pack and never didn't crawl out until a few hours ago. Well, it, it's, it started with that. And then there was some old smoky involved. And no, yeah. I've I, saying, I went, you're, you're a pretty big feller. That 12 pack wouldn't hurt you too bad. I, I yeah. Know. It was the, it was mostly the, the old smoky. See, I'm a, I cheap, felt... I, I'm a cheap date, you know, five foot five <laughs> and a buck 40. You know, you bring me a six pack of something that's five percent, we're gonna party. You know, <laughs> I guess this is you know, and then especially you know, I have you know a couple of coors and then a natty daddy and then some wine and then somebody brings me double oak bourbon and somebody brings me a different kind of bourbon and some more wine and somebody hands me an entire bottle of wine. I don't know who I met. So hey. because, hey, did you meet so and so? I don't know. Ask them. <laughs> Just don't just don't forget who opened up their first cooler and handed you your favorite beer whenever they got there. That was my man. Let me tell you something about Jay. 
I had I didn't know Jade from Adam's house cat. This man rolls up with, and I didn't even know this was one of those cooler type affairs. I will know next year, and the, the old Yeti will be in the truck. I felt naked, and then I get there and I see everybody's got their koozies, you know, and everybody's drinking beer, and they got there's coolers everywhere, and I'm like, oh man, I messed up, you know. And so I'm just first of all, it took me forever to get out of the truck because I didn't know anybody. Miranda was working the gate. Like she's the only other person I knew. And then so that's why I kept texting you, like, where are you at? Because my <laughs> my social anxiety was like in overdrive, right? <laughs> and uh so you come pulling up and you're like, Oh yeah, I brought you some coolers. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then this man opens up his cooler, hands me a coolers. It was a stubby, wasn't it? Yep. Hands me a stubby. You know, and I'm like, this is my new best friend. <laughs> this is how it's gonna be this is my new best friend <laughs> you know and then uh let me drink his beers because i didn't bring any you know and then we got some raffle ticket beers which is awesome those were good by the Sam- way the samples the samples they were good samples yep. the uh um the ale was uh no it wasn't an ale there was a uh the, there was an ale it was an ipa uh yep. which was really good i'm not uh, a huge ipa drinker i will drink an ipa uh, I'm not one of those guys that think they're gross or anything. Um, I'm just not a huge IPA drinker. Um, that was a good IPA. And the other one, I forget what it was. It was like a cream ale or something, the the Marsh Hen, whatever it was. That was a good one. That was a really good one. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's a good point to wind it down. Yeah, um, yeah. So I want to think – I want to thank my sponsors for this episode. You can check out uh, audibletrial.com. Use the the app. Look at that. Can't even talk. Audibletrial.com forward slash J Ryan. If you sign up today, you do not have to keep your account. You're going to get a free audio book on me. Um, May I recommend uh, the history of horsemanship on there. It's an absolutely amazing uh, book. It has the interaction between... Uh, humans and horses from the time humans first interacted with horses all the way to modern day. It's a fascinating read. If you sign up with that, you're going to be able to keep that book, even if you don't keep your subscription. That is audibletrial.com forward slash J Ryan. Uh, Herd of Zebras. You can head over to Herd of Zebras today. Use the code J Ryan over there and get a little discount uh, on your merchandise. Herd of Zebras, uh, one of my favorite sponsors. Also, check out the Appalachian Legacy Initiative. Um, Farrell Aaron, that's Miss Aaron O'Neill, is a one lady show up there. We have a shirt in my merch store. There is a link uh, in the description of this episode. You can go pick up that shirt. 100% of the proceeds of that shirt go to Farrell Aaron and the Appalachian Legacy Initiative to help those horses up there in Appalachia. Um, I'm sure I missed somebody, but don't worry. That ad's going to play anyway. Also, Saratelli Hats, the official hat of Behind the Horse's Eyes. Jay, you got anybody you want to shout out? Man, you know, Kentucky Horse Park, go check them out. You're in this neck of the woods. They've always got all kinds of good stuff going on. Um, what it? It's almost derby season. It is. I am. I'm ready for it. You know what we need to do? We need to have a derby party. Yes. We should have a derby party. Yes. I just get, I just. Yeah, we just need to have a derby party. See, my, my wife is from Louisville, so derby okay. is a holiday. I've never been to Churchill Downs. I haven't either. I haven't gotten to go. They used to go every year. I'm, I mean, um, I'm yeah, I'm poor, so that's not happening. Right. 
but uh and i'm gonna bet on the long shot anyway so but if i had done that last year you know just yeah you've been setting pretty i've been setting pretty here's a hundred bucks on rich who okay yeah i'll take him yeah <laughs> and it's weird how people bet on horses like yeah people they always bet the long shot people always bet on grace i know people only bet on grace there's a great running they're betting on it really yep give me I may try that yeah, I don't, I'll, give me, give me, I want generic. I want. The, okay, so like, I know that you were, you know, you're, you're talking. You're you're a rich strike fanboy. So I, I know that I'm not alone in the minutes after the the race being way more entertaining than the race itself. Listen, last year I'm gonna go ahead and I don't care what anybody says. I made a video and that video went viral. That outrider did not do anything that I wouldn't have done. No, I would have punched Richie right in the nose. Even I was Eric, gonna say, even he Eric had more restraint said, and patience than I would. I would have. have if my horse was getting gnawed on, and then I was getting gnawed on. I would have punched. I would have punched my own horse in the nose. Yeah, it's not gonna hurt them. Yeah, what's, Here's gonna, the what's thing. gonna hurt more is when you know you're, you're sent to the hospital because your arm got gnawed off by a thoroughbred. Yeah, well, and and here's the thing, you know that that. Those moments after that happened really showed who really doesn't know what in the world they're talking about. Yeah. Well, and then I a mean, lot of people, and then you had a lot of people that were like, you know, well, that's lack of training. No, 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 no. What that is, is you had Richie there who had just ran the race of his life, by the way, has no idea mm -hmm. that he has won the race, right? He has no idea he's won the race. He just sees those other horses are still going and they're getting further away from him. And he knows I need to be there. Why, why am I here? Why are you stopping me? Who is this person coming up beside me? Why? What, yeah. What's going on? He was, confused. well, and he was scared, you know, to a hundred percent honesty, you know, when, when you're talking to these race horses, these thoroughbreds, they are grown, they are conditioned. They are, basically taught to accept a rider and that's the extent of it. well you know the, these these horses are not getting years of training because they're raced as three-year-olds they're you know here's how i look at here's how i look at off the track thoroughbreds and we'll, we'll run a little long on this i know we were winding down but here's how i look at off the track thoroughbreds i look at it like this and i look at on, off the track thoroughbreds as an untapped resource for a lot of people that are looking for a green horse that already has buttons and mm -hmm. because um yeah, they've been back. They've been raced. They know some basic undersaddle work. But outside of that, yeah, they're 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 primarily the track. All right. But here are the positives that a lot of people don't talk about. They are desensitized to almost everything. Like they, they are desensitized to death. They will tie. They will pick up all four feet for the farrier. The they have no no spots at the for the vet. They will load into anything, anywhere, under any conditions. Yeah. Those yeah. are the positives. And you can go adopt these horses uh, that are super sporty, that have a decent brain, you know, that are going to need, you know, some work. And they, But they have a decent brain, a couple thousand dollars. And in today's climate, horses, that's cheap. That's dirt cheap. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't rip on them too hard. I, I love the things. Um, and I think there's more positives there though than negatives when it comes to a lot of these off the track horses. Yeah, they are they're horses that had one job, okay. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna have to uh, get them out of the mindset of doing that job. Outside of that, though, it, it's the, the ceiling is anywhere you want to put it. 
for yeah him. yeah and, and, and you know that it's a good it's a good situation for horse and rider so long as the rider knows what it is they're getting into you know and knows what to expect yeah i don't i don't recommend somebody getting an off the track thoroughbred and then a clinton anderson dvd at the same day right it's not right. gonna it's not gonna end well um yeah or or buy an off the track thoroughbred uh for your five-year-old exactly you know now buy an off the track thoroughbred for your five-year-old if that off the track thoroughbred has spent you know months with somebody like flo Morgan, you know that definitely go definitely buy that horse um mm -hmm. Yeah, but don't go straight to one of the the programs, you know, one of these after track programs, and and adopt one, right. uh, and throw your kid on it. Um, yeah, yeah. So yes, it, I you know what I love that kind of kind of it's kind of on subject, but it's kind of off subject too. Is uh there was a trend that went around the internet where everybody played the um the uh, was it the call to the gate? You know the bugle call, mm -hmm. and they said play this in front of your off the track thoroughbred, and all these horses are yours just go. Yeah. Yeah, the mirrors just go straight up. Like, ooh, <laughs> is it my pop? <laughs> it's go time. <laughs> it's go time. I love thoroughbreds. They're uh, there's something about them. Like, and, and I know a lot of people are like, ah, this is... man, I've seen cow horse thoroughbreds that were off the track. I've seen barrel racing thoroughbreds. You know, eventers. I've seen you know, you name it. They're just they're good, solid horses. You can't go wrong with one if you find a good one. Yep. And it's in your budget. Go buy the thoroughbred. I, I would the, I would take the thoroughbred and oh, I'm gonna get grief for this. My email is gonna be full and I'm gonna get all kind of audio, you know, messages on the show for this. I would take a really solid off the track thoroughbred any day over a lot of the popular quarter horse lines. Hey, I, I said the, it. Their only downside to me, um, as far as a a personal horse i just don't like tall horses yeah they're they're gonna be most of the well so they're you're gonna you're gonna see like the majority of the horses that you're gonna see you know are gonna be in that 16 and a half hand range 17 hands like this like i rode one recently good friend in fact it was flo's horse donald and, and donald's like 17 something like he's he's a monster he's a big old baby like you could be anybody on donald you know the uh he never hurt you the um but you know you've got smaller thoroughbreds too and a lot of folks don't think about them but there are some thoroughbreds that are floating around out there they're like 14 2 14 3 yeah like you have a yeah. lot of these polo ponies out there they're, they're small you know 15 hands on those are or or you know kind of the average on those guys um so there's thoroughbreds out there now they're gonna be a little harder to find they used to not be like you used to be able to if you rolled up to a polo farm around here naked with an empty trailer you'd come back and there'd be like eight polo ponies tied to it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like they just give those things away. Like, you know, the horses just didn't work out for polo or whatever. They just be like, you want, how many you want? Like you want a horse? Right. How, many, how many of these do you want? You know? Yep. What do you, yep. what do you mean? What do I want for them? No, I want you to take them. Just you take know? them. <laughs> just take them. You know, like you used to, uh, I had my friend Brandy used to, you know, I think she kept everybody in stock with former polo ponies for like years. She worked at a polo. Farm. She goes, <laughs> If anybody's need a, a, a good sporty horse, call me. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I got you one. That was, you know, I'm I'm six one, and uh, I, but oh, I've always I don't, don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, I've always and I think it, it's from the Rocky Mountains growing up. You know, a lot of that old the old stock Rocky Mountains were were small horses. They still are, but 
they're, they're getting bigger. Um, you know, to me, 14 2 is the perfect size horse. Yeah. For me and what I do. And I remember I had was going to, we were going to do a trail ride one day and uh, my Rocky Mountain had thrown a shoe and uh, out in the, the pasture. My buddy's like, no, you need to just take, he pointed out to the field, he had this spotted racking horse. You just, you can ride Derby. That was, the, that was his name. And uh, Derby was like 16 2, 16 3. And uh, it, wherever we stopped to have a drink, I had to make sure there was a stump or a log or something to get up on it because he was just, he was just too tall for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and at, at six, two, I could have done it if I did it often. It's just like anything else. You stretch and you're used to that sort, but I'm, you know, I'm used to something that's, you know, my stirrups that much lower. So, yeah. I'm a, um, I'm a, I'm a perpetual pony squisher. So, you know, yeah. It's, I, 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 you know, but I love, if I'm in a strange barn, man, I'd be the first day, like, if I show up to somebody's house and they're like, hey, you want to go riding some of my horses? I'd be like, sure. What's the biggest thing you got? <laughs> you know, now, if I'm at home and I'm buying horses for me, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that, you know, 14 to 14 hands, you know, and thick. Right. Uh, you know, I like, like my right. little, my little half Morgan, man, you, you got to meet her. You'll be like, what are you? Like, she's just, you know? built, she's built all kinds of wrong. You know, she's built different. <laughs> she's, she's, def, she's definitely different. Like, and I tell you, she's got two brain cells. They're fighting for third place, and you know, she's an ex dude string pony. The only thing she knew when I got her was to put her nose in the butt of the horse in front of her. Listen, if there were a thousand horses on a trail ride, and she started in the first spot, within thirty minutes she'd be the nine hundred ninety ninth horse. <laughs> Like that's how much she cares. She's like, we're just here, man. Yeah. You know, walking around with a pine limb in her mouth. You know, like she's. she's <laughs> Everybody's like, you got to correct your pony, and I'm like, you know what? Listen, there's not enough brain activity here for her to absorb anything that I have ever taught her. <laughs> Leave her be. It's fine. She's not, you know, she's not a metallic cat baby. She, we don't know <laughs> what she is. She's just a her. And she's just going to be a her. I, you know, when, when I got her, she was so emaciated. I swear, I didn't think she was going to survive the trailer ride home. Right. <laughs> and she literally lives on air. Like these people had to physically try to starve this horse to death. <laughs> like she, like she is forage fed with a little bit of ration mouse. Because if I give her too much, she blows up like a balloon and, yep. gr and grunts like a pig. <laughs> so, you know, and I mean, she's just, she's got that droopy bottom lip. Like, you know, she's just, she's just, she's just a Layla, man. That's all I can say. Her name's Layla and she's just a Layla. If anybody asks what she breeds, she's, we know she's Morgan-ish. So we always call her half Morgan. Uh, I don't know. She might not be no Morgan. The vet seems to think she's Morgan. So, <laughs> well, but, you know, I mean, every farm needs one of those. I just, she's just, she's just a her. Uh, she'd be that's... a hell of a plow horse. You know, she's kind of compact, but she's stocky. She's as wide as she is tall. That's what I like about the tackies. I mean, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm not a small guy. Yeah. And, you know, these little short back stocky tackies, they can, they'll go, any one of them will go all day with me riding. And oh, yeah. No issue. Oh, yeah. You know, they're happy about it. That's so. that, and that's how she is. I can, I can go all day with her. And she's, I mean, I don't know. She halfway through, she'll kind of voice an opinion like, listen, I am no shape for this, but. If you want to keep going, we'll keep going. 
if you got any water. Okay, we're good. That's kind of her attitude. Uh, Well, Jade, it has been a pleasure, sir. Hey, man, I had fun. Yeah, so I'm going to get you back on when we do the the whole roundtable with everyone. uh, Please do. Um, that will be fun. Get you and Miranda and Shannon and Mark and Colin, and uh, that will be a uh, that will be a good episode. That will be. That will be. That's a so, lot of good people right there. So, but on behalf of Jade, I am always your humble host, Mr. J. Ryan Chastain. Check out our sponsors. Uh, go to the merch store, buy a T-shirt, help your boy out, feed some starving horses here in South Carolina. Um, and uh, I will catch you guys next time.